2: Hey guys, welcome back to Dr. Lowe's show. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. Thanks for joining me again for another episode. I'm recording this intro early in the morning. I'm gazing out the window in San Diego. It's a beautiful day. Got my lemon essential oils diffusing next to me. Got my glass of Organifi right next to me. And I am pumped to bring you a show that I believe will be very helpful in spreading awareness and just giving you some education. So, Tonight, I'm doing a show. I'm saying tonight because I'm publishing it tonight, even though I'm recording this in the morning. Ha ha, technology. It'll fool you. So tonight, we are going to be talking about a topic that's pretty controversial. We're actually going to be talking about medical marijuana. Now, I understand that this is a controversial topic. This is something I actually thought about talking about on the show about two or three years ago, and I had a couple people say, don't do it. I had someone else who is a very well-known podcaster, and he said, do it, and I just waited on it for a while. And I've actually had people reach out to want to discuss it, but I waited until I felt like I came across an expert that expresses it in a professional way and has some great experience. So so I will bring her on in just a second, but want to give you a really exciting announcement. If you are in the San Diego area, or if you feel like traveling, you're always welcome. Mark your calendars, April 27th. At six o'clock, we are having an awesome party at Shine Natural Medicine. It is our Shine Detox launch party. And I promise you guys, I throw a good party. We're going to have live music. We're going to have organic food. We're going to have giveaways and raffles and just togetherness. That's what I love about having a a brick and mortar established clinic is bringing people together to a place where we can inspire each other and just have fun. I'm thinking we're going to have some dancing and probably a photo booth. You can catch some good photos with your friends. So mark your calendar. We have people drive from out of state and fly in at other parties. So We we do a good job. So mark your calendar April 27th from six to nine, and you can learn more over at shinenaturalmedicine.com as our details start rolling out. We will also be doing some testers and giveaways over GANIFI, which is my favorite greens drink. If you've been listening to the show, you know I love this stuff, and. I love it because it is food as medicine. That is my belief is that food can nourish us with every sip, with every bite. We can literally be ingesting medicine all the time. So I love this formula because it's freeze-dried. So it has all the all the ingredients still intact. It has Moringa in it, which is a superfood. I actually have a Moringa plant or tree in my backyard. I haven't even touched it. <laughs> I could either go out there and chew on some Moringa leaf or I can just have Organifi. It also has turmeric. Turmeric has thousands of studies supporting its anti-inflammatory effects, its anti-cancer effects. It is neuroprotective. It literally protects and repairs the brain. It has lemon in it. It has mint. Mint helps with gas and bloating. And it also has coconut water with all of its electrolytes intact as well. So it's my favorite greens drink. It tastes really good and you do feel a difference when you drink it. So you can get yours over at organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And if you enter Dr. Lowe at checkout, you'll get 15% off your order. You're welcome. If you have been listening to the show and you're thinking, you know, I think there might be something going on with me health-wise. I'd like to look into things a bit deeper. Maybe you want more energy. Maybe your sleep isn't that great. Maybe your sex drive isn't that great. And you want to just look into things. We'd be happy to work with you. We have a whole team of doctors at Shine Natural Medicine and reach out. You can visit us over at shinenaturalmedicine.com, read up more on how we work, and we can work with you locally in San Diego or all over the country. So reach out and we're happy to help. All right, my loves, let's jump into the show. We're talking about medical marijuana. I don't want hate mail sent to me on this. This is coming from a pure heart, really wanting to share information with you that I believe can help people. And so I invite you to have an open mind and just listen. Look, I know about the world of drugs. You guys, my brother is in prison. He will get out in two years and it's for drugs. So I don't take this topic lightly. Okay. And I know the effects that it can do on families and this is not that kind of show. What we're sharing with you is what can help from a medical perspective when, when this plant is used in a different type of way and it's using specific ingredients from this plant that can help with lots of different things in the body. So I will let the expert talk about it, but I just want to mention that I am very sensitive to this topic. Okay. So I love you guys. Let's jump into the show and also just gives so much information, um, and I think it answers a lot of questions. So I'm really excited to, to bring her on. So a little bit about my guest. I have Dr. Rechna Patel, and she has been practicing in the area of medical marijuana for half a decade now, since 2012. She step-by-step walks patients through how to use medical marijuana for their specific medical, medical condition without getting high off of it, without getting addicted to it, and without even smoking it. She speaks from experience of having treated thousands of patients and having read research study upon research study on marijuana, and she completed her medical studies at Tower University College of Osteopathic Medicine and her undergraduate study at Northwestern University. And you can learn more about her at DrRachnaPatel.com, and that's spelled D-R-R-A-C-H-N-A, P-A-T-E-L dot com. And we'll put her information in the show notes as well. Dr. Patel, thanks for being here. Welcome to Dr. Lowe Show. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. It's so great to have you. As we were talking in the intro, you know, this is just something I haven't done this topic before and I've had requests for it. Um, but I've also had other people say, you know what? I don't think you should do it. And so it was something I was a little hesitant about. Um, now both of us are in California, so it's seen a little bit different here. Um, and mm-hmm. I know that we'll get into some of the actually let's let's kind of back up let's start with your personal story first and we can jump into some of the concerns about it so tell us a little bit more about you like what even got you into this world of medicine and and also
1: specifically in the world of medical marijuana Sure. So my background is in emergency medicine, um, and um, so before I get to what I saw as while I was training in emergency medicine, the way I they encountered that the whole field of medical marijuana even exists is through an ad on Craigslist. I was just surfing around one night on Craigslist, and I came across an ad that said "medical marijuana doctor needed." Okay. Mm. Now this was wow. during <clears throat> during training, and. Um, there were a couple of cases during training that sat really heavy with me. So I saw, um, cases, a lot of cases of overdoses on opioid medications. Mm-hmm. I saw even, actually, even a boy as young as 10 years old. Um, so that was, that was very, you know, disheartening. Um, I, I saw a lot of drug seekers come into the emergency room. Um, Then I also um, did a rotation, a toxicology rotation. And basically, the the basic purpose of this rotation, uh, my job was to treat overdoses on both prescription and over-the-counter medications, okay? So, you know, as a physician, you're, you you set out to be a physician so that you can actually help people. But what yeah. was going on was that the very medications that I was prescribing, because most of what you treat in the emergency room is pain, and a lot of pain is treated with opioids, right? So on the yeah. one hand, here I was, you know, treating pain with opioids, but then... Uh, you know, uh, on the other hand, I was seeing you know um, patients come in having overdosed on these opioids, um, uh, having become addicted to the to, to these opioids so so when I came across this ad, I definitely uh, it piqued my interest. Um, mm-hmm. And so I started to read, um, into the research behind medical marijuana. Um, and, and, I saw, I was compelled by, uh, by its use for chronic pain. Cause as it stands, honestly, we don't have a good solution, um, to treat cho- chronic pain. Right. Um, and so a year later, um, you know, any, any tip to, to become an excellent physician, you need to have clinical experience. So I came back out to California, um, to work at a medical marijuana clinic, and that's sort of how the journey began. Wow, what a ride. And so what's it been
2: like now specializing in medical marijuana? What kinds of things have you seen in your practice?
1: So it's been great. Um, it's been a very satisfying journey, um, and that's mainly due to, re- due to the results that I see in, my, in, in the patients that I treat. Mm-hmm. So most of what I end up treating is chronic pain, anxiety, and insomnia, Mm -hmm. Um, and specifically with chronic pain, um, what I love seeing is that a lot of my patients are able to come off of pharmaceutical medications, um, and just use the medical marijuana on an as needed basis. They don't even have to use it every day to help manage their pain. Um, same with, um, insomnia. You know, a lot of patients are on medications like Ambien, for instance. Um, Ambien, um, I don't, I personally don't believe it's meant to be used on an everyday basis. Although a lot of patients become dependent on it um, because it causes um, side effects like sleepwalking, um, and that can be dangerous. You know, you could you could end up waking up in the middle of the night, getting into your car, right? Um, and you know, you know, God forbid, um, you get into an accident, or something. right? Yeah, <laughs> um, and then anxiety. Um, I end up treating a lot of uh, veterans, and um, they'll come in telling me that that you know I'm suffering from anxiety. I'm going to the VA. They're giving me all these medications. Um, I'm concerned about getting addicted to them. They're not really helping, and um, and and the medical marijuana helps. So one of the the symptoms that that these veterans experience is that you know once they come back from field to to. To civilian life, they still experience hypervigilance, um, mm. especially when they're in crowds. So that's one of the aspects of their anxiety that it helps with. Um, in patients who just have generalized anxiety, it helps with panic attacks. So in my best case scenarios, I've seen patients um, uh, c- report back to me that, um, you know, it's helped to To completely get rid of the panic attacks, I don't even remember when the last time I had a panic attack was. Wow! So it's been very satisfying in that sense, in terms of the results that I've been Amazing. seeing, um, and 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 that there's a lot of good potential with it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I have I have a million questions for you, and I sure. To, um, <laughs> and and also, I just like a few minutes before the show, I said maybe I'll just pop on Facebook and, and the question up there and see if people have questions and it was flooded. So it's about really choosing which questions to ask you and maybe we'll have you back on yeah. the second show because I think it's going to be a really popular one. So um, what I would love, let's just touch really quick about the hesitations of why maybe I was not so sure I wanted to do this topic. What Talk about the legal aspects of it real quick and then we'll talk more about the benefits you know soon thereafter.
1: Sure. So in general, in the United States, there, there are basically in the states that have legalized marijuana, there are two classes of states, states that have legalized it for medical use and states that have legalized it for recreational use. Um, in terms of recreational use, I think at this point, there's about eight states, six to eight states that have legalized it for recreational use. The way it works in these states <clears throat> is that it's essentially like a liquor store. You can, you can walk in as long as you meet a certain... Um, uh, minimum age requirement and um, and you can pretty much purchase whatever. Okay, um, that's essentially how it works in Colorado. Got it. In in states where it's legalized for just medical use, it's a different process. Typically, the way it works is that you do have to see a physician. The physician has to evaluate you um, and. Um, Has to based on evaluation has to deem it appropriate um, uh, deem your condition appropriate for the for the use of medical marijuana. You know they 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 need to say okay you're going to benefit from the use of medical marijuana. Now in California that's pretty much how far medical goes. You know once a physician sees you and issues what's called a recommendation you can use that recommendation and walk into a dispensary um, to purchase products. In most other states, though, you do, there is a process where you have to, once you see your physician, you then have to register with the state. Mm-hmm. And then there's typically a physician that, that sits on a board, um, for the state, and then they have to then, you know, doubly verify that, yes, this patient, um, does, does, uh, would benefit from the use of medical marijuana. Um, the other difference between California and most other states when it comes to medical use is that most other states have a, have a, restricted list of conditions for which physicians can um, recommend medical marijuana. That's not the case in California. There's a little bit more freedom um, uh, for a physician in this state. So that's, those are the general basics of it. Okay. So um,
2: when people are hesitant about, about using marijuana or uh, even for medical reasons, what are, what are the reasons that they are hesitant about that? What are the, the fears people have about it?
1: Sure. So one of the biggest fears is that um, a lot of uh, people um, have used marijuana in high school and college, and they didn't have a good experience using it because they felt, they felt high, they felt paranoid, they felt anxious. And I want to explain a very important concept here, and this applies to all medications in general. And that is that every medication has a dosing range, okay? So there's a sub-therapeutic range. This is a range where you're not taking high enough of a dose, and, and because you're not taking high enough of a dose, it's not having any effect on you. Then there's a toxic range where you're taking such a high dose that you're getting all these adverse effects from it. And then there's a therapeutic range. The sweet spot, essentially, where you're, you're, the dose is just right, where you're getting the medical benefits, but you're not getting the side effects. So a lot of people that have, that used marijuana back in college and high school, they overdid it. You know, they, they fell into that toxic range, and what they experienced were the adverse effects of marijuana, which do include the high, the paranoia, the, 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 the feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that's one part of it. Second part of it is, is that a lot of the effects that you get are dependent on what uh, combination of chemicals are in the product that you've purchased. Mm. So <clears throat> marijuana makes a whole bunch of different chemicals, two in high concentrations. THC, which everyone's heard of, uh, that is actually the psychoactive compound. And then there's CBD, which is non-psychoactive. And basically adjusting the proportions of these chemicals in the products will then... Um, uh, help to, um, prevent a lot of the side effects that, um, that, that people have experienced, um, you know, when, when they've overdone it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's one main concern is, are the side effects.
2: Um, where do, where is hemp in relation to all that? How, do, where does hemp come from? With the
1: plant? Sure. So, um, basically essentially hemp is marijuana, but the way that the, the, there's sort of um, um, an international definition of what hemp is by the combination of chemicals. And typically, the way hemp is defined is that it's any plant that has less than 0.3% THC in it. Got it. Okay. okay. Cool. Thank
2: you. Okay. Well, already learning a lot. So, um, so there's, there's, again, there's a million questions I'm going to ask you. In your yeah. opinion, do you is, is marijuana addictive? That's obviously the biggest one people are asking. Yeah.
1: So let's address that. Okay. So based on research, and this is research done in patients that were using marijuana heavily on an everyday basis, and they were specifically, they admitted to specifically using it to get high. In this particular population, um, the, the potential for addiction was 9%. Okay? Um, so it is a lot less than alcohol. Well, it alcohol. is a lot... Um here i mean uh, uh, let me just um i don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but let me uh, i have a I would wonder about that I would say alcohol yeah would be so okay above 10. alcohol is fourteen yeah. percent right, so that's one out of every seven people marijuana I said was nine percent, so that's one out of every eleven people, and again, these are uh, so with the alcohol it's it's the, the the definition that they used was anybody who drank on average more than 12 drinks in a year the, the potential for dependence on alcohol was about 14% now tobacco um this is for for people who use tobacco on an everyday basis the potential for addiction was 24% so one out of every four people mm, so wow. so the important thing to keep in mind though is that these are people that were specifically using the marijuana to get high off of it okay mm. um it, it, you're using it differently when you use it medically. Um, one, you're not using it to, to get high off of it. You're using it for more for the medical benefits. But also, um, y- you're not using it multiple times in a day. You're not even using it every day. Um, so, in the years that I've practiced clinically, what I can tell you is that I haven't had um, I haven't had any patient come back to me and say, "Hey, I feel like I'm getting addicted to the marijuana." Hmm. Um, so here's the interesting thing about marijuana. It's a fat-soluble medication, a lot like vitamin D. And so you have stores of it. Um, once you use it, you have stores of it in the fat cells in your body. So even on the days you're not using it, as you're burning off your fat cells, the chemicals are still getting released. So you don't actually have to use it on an everyday basis. Um, and even when it comes to withdrawal, um, the withdrawal symptoms um, generally tend to, dis- if you're a heavy user, yes, you'll experience withdrawal if you stop using the marijuana cold turkey, but they tend to dissipate within a span of four to six weeks. And this is because it, you may have stopped at cold turkey, but your body doesn't, doesn't feel like it stopped at cold turkey because it has stores of it. So you're naturally sort of weaning off of it. Um, Unlike alcohol, unlike opioid medications, um, where it you know you you run out of uh, stores of it very very quickly, and the body goes sort of into a state of shock.
2: So that that um, withdrawal process wouldn't that lend towards it being slightly addictive though, right? Is that where that? Yeah,
1: definitely. Yes, are? yes. Um, it. It, it, in in heavy users, yes, it 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 is it yeah. is it it does have the potential for addiction. Got no it, doubt. Got it. Yeah. Super
2: helpful. Yeah, I like how you clarified that. So. Um, Let's talk about some of the concerns people have about it, like, you know, uh, getting high or getting the munchies. I mean, that's the biggest one that, you know, at least me practicing in California, it is like legal here. So I do have patients who come in and and a decent amount of them will be using this. Um, And I'm not, I mean, I would say like, maybe 5 or 10% of my patients, will probably mention using it sometimes, I would say. I'm, I'm sure more do. But one of the biggest concerns is they just, they're like, yeah, I love it because it gives me a great sex drive and I sleep really well, but I eat everything in my house. So how do they deal with that?
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, in, in patients that don't want their appetite stimulated, um, typically the, the appetite stimulation comes from, um, uh, from THC. Mm-hmm. And so if you use excessive amounts of the THC, your, your appetite will be stimulated, right? So that other chemical that, that I spoke of, the CBD helps to counteract these side effects of the THC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in order to avoid the munchies, you, you kind of want to throw in some more CBD into the mix, essentially.
2: So for them, because if they like the the benefits that they mentioned, they just need to add more of the CBD and then that's not going to have as much of the effect. Is that what you're saying? Like the ratio? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Interesting. And same thing with like the feeling paranoid or the getting high feeling. Is that the same thing? Okay. Yeah.
1: So so again, that comes from excessive amounts of THC use. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you use way too much of it, you will get paranoid. Um, you will you will get um, high off of it, especially if you are prone to having anxiety. Those patients Got tend it. to be more vulnerable to those side effects.
2: Now, I remember reading something, and I didn't look into it in a lot of detail because there's so much craziness to look at on Facebook at all times. But I saw something about. A study that was done by the Amen Clinic about decreased blood flow—I believe it was—to the brain of marijuana users. Do you have any idea about that, or can you speak on that?
1: You know, I actually haven't encountered that that particular um, study. Or what I'm wondering is,
2: what about? How about? Have you seen any studies showing any adverse effects or anything um, negative to the brain at least? Because what I'm wondering about is blood flow to the brain. If it affects that, or if there's any other negative effects that you've seen at all in the research, I'd love to hear about that.
1: Yeah so there was actually a study done um that uh looked into um uh, the effects of marijuana on the brain okay mm-hmm. and let's see here um I'm just bringing up the study because I have some uh, points highlighted here. So basically what they did was that they looked at both adults and teenagers. They looked at about 60 adults and 100 teenagers. um, And these were people that had been using marijuana on a daily basis for two to three months. And they took scans of their brains. They they ran them through an MRI. And what they did was that they compared their brain size and shape to non-users of marijuana. And what they found was that um, there was absolutely no difference um, in either the size or the shape of their brain. Hmm. Now, um, there's also been um, long-term studies done that looked at other aspects, such as um, BMI, um, uh, hemoglobin A1C, which is used to um, uh, monitor... um, uh, the impact of, uh, diabetes on, on patients. Um, what else did they look, look look at? They looked at C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation. They looked at cholesterol levels. Um, and what they found was that, um, in marijuana users versus non-marijuana users, um, there was, there was basically, um, it was all the same. It's Mm. not like you were more prone to any of these, um, you know, to, to higher cholesterol levels, uh, more prone to diabetes, more prone to inflammation, Mm -hmm. um, or any of that. Um, the only thing that they did find was that the marijuana users were more, more prone to gum disease Mm. and they couldn't quite figure out why. Um, one of the reasons maybe is that one of the side effects of marijuana is that it does dry out your mucous membranes. Mm. Um, so so you know it gets rid of that protective um moisture that we have in our mouth that has um good bacteria in it. So that's hence, that's one of the, the reasons. cotton
2: mouth, right? Cotton mouth. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um let's talk about the uh, the effects of it using using it for seizures. Can you talk about
1: that for children? Yeah, so what I've seen clinically and I've treated uh, patients with seizures. What I've seen is that you know, for the most part um I'd say I haven't actually had a single patient come off of their pharmaceutical medications. Then, In general, they do have to stay on their pharmaceutical medications. Um, but adding... Um, uh medical marijuana to the list, what it does is that uh, it does help to reduce the frequency of the seizures and it does help to reduce the duration of the seizures as well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the pharmaceutical medications can be readjusted if needed, whether it's cutting out the number of pharmaceutical medications these patients are on or the dosages of the medications that they're on. Um, But by, by reducing the frequency and the duration of these seizures... In between, these patients are able to, um, you know, to to go about interacting with their environment in a normal way, which when they're on high doses of pharmaceutical medications isn't the case. You know, a lot of times they're they're spending this time uh, feeling highly sedated, They're, they're groggy, they're tired, they're sleeping. And that can impact then their development. So, hmm. so it, it gives the child the opportunity, more of an opportunity to interact um, uh, with their environment, which, which benefits their development in, in the long run.
2: What's the youngest age you've prescribed it for?
1: Um, gosh, um, at five to six-year-olds. Wow. And what was it for? Um, let's see. I've had patients come in with autism, and a big component of autism is anxiety. Mm. So, um, with these patients, you know, they they sort of need their routines and if if they tend to break out of their routines, that's when they, they, um, they get highly anxious. That's when they tend to get uh, tantrums and whatnot. And their pediatricians have put them on, um, on anti-anxiety medications like, you know, benzodiazepines and the parents are concerned about the long-term effects of being on these medications. Um, and so, um, you know, they're coming to me, to use medical marijuana as an alternative, um, and it does help. It helps to reduce their anxiety levels.
2: Wow. Interesting. Um, Do you see that marijuana can be a depressant?
1: You know, I haven't found that to be the case. Um, It's... it's. it, the THC can certainly help mood in my um, patients that are mildly depressed. I, it definitely is not an antidepressant. I haven't found that it helps, you know, my patients that, are, that have moderate to severe depression. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also not like alcohol where, where it, it, you know, um, depresses your mood. I haven't found that to be the case.
2: Do you find that it affects memory negatively?
1: Um, yeah. If you use too much of it, it will affect your memory. Long term, Um,
2: short term, is it
1: permanent? Mainly short term, um, and no, it's it's not permanent. Um, uh, Once that concentration level starts to drop, um, then um, there's you sort of uh, you know return back to normal. But but again, you know, it's when you're using high amounts of it. Right? Do you find that some people just can't tolerate it? Period. Um. It, like, in what sense?
2: Like, they just can't tolerate, I guess, marijuana as a plant. Have you ever seen that, even if it's THC or CBD, that just, you just find, oh, well, this just, this person isn't going to be able to tolerate taking it. I'm just curious on
1: that. You know, I haven't found that to be the case because um, uh, what we do is if patients are having side effects, we just lower the dose and then they're able to tolerate it better. Or change the form, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have a lot of different options to to play around with. Let's talk about that. What are the different ways that you can administer medical marijuana? So there's a wide variety of options now. Typically, what what the you know the image that people have in their heads is smoking a joint um, right. to <laughs> to administer marijuana, which which actually I don't even recommend yeah. um, because smoking long term does do damage to the lungs. Um, you have other alternatives. So there's a method called of inhalation called vapor vaporization, and essentially. <clears throat> If you think of a diffuser that diffuses essential oils, the vaporizer works in a similar way because the chemicals in the plant are housed in a resin. It, it's like an oil. So uh, uh, what a vaporizer does is that so you, 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 you put the plant material in a chamber and then there's a coil that heats up the chamber. Um, and then that then evaporates these oils and that's what you're inhaling as opposed to burning something, you're creating a combustion reaction. You're getting all these hydrocarbons, basically pollution that you're inhaling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so that's one method, okay? Now, another method um uh, are edibles, right? So a lot of edibles you know, like the the prototypical brownie that that everybody thinks of. Um what's nice is that the industry has evolved enough at this point that you're going to find options uh with edibles that are that are gluten-free, that are sugar-free, that are vegan. So they're getting healthier and healthier um as time goes on. Um, then there are tinctures and essentially, basically these, this is a liquid version of marijuana and they're drops that you put under the tongue. Um, then there's also, these are more, I I recommend more rarely, but there are also rectal and vaginal formulations of marijuana as well. Wow. Interesting. Can you talk more Mm -hmm. about those? Yeah, sure. So, so, vaginal formulations, um, typically the patients that use those are my, um, either perimenopausal or postmenopausal women. Um, uh, it, it, ha- it, typically it's, it's basically a vaginal lubricant is what it is. And what it does is that it also helps libido because mm. it, it increases sensitivity. Um, we actually have receptors for marijuana in our skin. And that's how these, the, the, it's basically a topical is what it is. And that's how that's working. Um, rectal formulations, uh, you know, I use, uh, rarely, mainly in patients that have like masses, um, uh, cancerous masses, um, in, in, in the rectal area that are causing pain, or if they have some sort of other source of, of rectal pain, um, that they're having.
2: I can think of one patient in particular who came in with very debilitating, uh, Crohn's disease and just awful rectal pain, and he uses um, THC suppositories, and they were yep. a game changer for him. He, he had so much relief from that. It really, really helped him a lot. Yeah. Have you seen that for patients as well?
1: Yeah. So in, in patients with irritable um, uh, or inflammatory bowel syndrome, either one, uh, inflammation is a big component of it. And here's the interesting thing. Um, marijuana is actually an anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Um, what it does is that it actually works on the immune system to reduce inflammation. Um, and it does this in a couple of ways. I'm going to get a little, um, uh, kind of go nerd out on you. Yeah. Here. nerd Alex, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, so one is, is that it specifically causes the death of uh, immune cells that are causing an autoimmune attack. Mm. The second thing that it does is that it, it suppresses the production of cytokines and cytokines are, are, are chemicals produced by these immune cells and they help to start and stop inflammation. Okay. Mm. And then the third thing that the, that the marijuana does is that it activates T regulatory cells. And these are cells that we have in our body to ensure that um, the body doesn't um, uh, attack itself. It prevents, you know, autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's impactful in in patients that have um autoimmune disease in several different ways one it helps to reduce the inflammation second it helps with um you know the symptoms that the inflammation is causing in the in the case you brought up your uh, inflammatory bowel Mm-hmm. Um, it helps to reduce you know, any, any pain that's going on, helps to reduce nausea, helps to reduce vomiting, um, helps to uh, stimulate appetite when otherwise it would be um, uh, um, suppressed. Mm-hmm. So it so helps in a lot of different ways. And it's the same thing for like, um, patients with psoriasis. That's also an autoimmune condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps with um, rheumatoid arthritis. Again, another autoimmune condition as well. And with those, are you doing that topically or internally? So it, it, or, um, it depends, depends. Mm-hmm. So in my patients with psoriasis, for instance, um, topicals have proved to work uh, very well wow. um, with them. Yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, um, I've had patients report that it, it takes away the, the underlying redness. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes away the flaking of the skin. Are you and- using THC in that as well or just CBD? So they so both CBD and THC have anti-inflammatory properties. So patients yeah. are benefited by, um, from using both. Got it.
2: Okay, I have so many questions from um, Facebook. I'm going to start drilling them at you. So one yep. question was: um, Ask her what what she does to taper patients off marijuana if they if she finds her patients have become addicted or if the patient wants to come off. Do you have a, a way to do that?
1: Yeah. So. Um, it basically, so let me explain the scientific concept of what's going on and, 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 and then I'll explain clinical. Mm-hmm. So basically what happens is that you have this, when you um, expose the body to too, much, too many chemicals, you have a process called receptor downregulation going on. Okay. So essentially the body is like, you know what? I am getting way too much of this. I need to find a way to, to protect myself. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to make as many receptors for this chemical. Right. And so, so you essentially you develop—that's how you develop a tolerance, right? So mm-hmm. basically, if you take a break from the marijuana, it gives your body a chance to make more of these receptors, um, and and so that's that's the basic premise behind it. Is that most people think with with uh, uh, you should nobody should have a tolerance to marijuana. If mm-hmm. you find yourself taking higher and higher doses of marijuana to have the same effect, that's a sign that you've developed a tolerance to it. That you're overdoing it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so you should be on a consistent dose. Um and the other thing is is that the same dose is not giving you the same effect. So right. those are the signs of, of a tolerance and you're overdoing it. And so most patients, your, your intuition tells you, oh, I'll just take more of it. So quick question um, before you continue.
2: Yeah. So, so what do you recommend for people? Like how long of breaks do you recommend for people?
1: Okay, so this a lot of this depends on, it, it depends from patient to patient. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I mentioned, most patients don't need to use it on an everyday basis. It's going to depend on a couple of things, how you metabolize these chemicals and, and how you metabolize fats because it gets stored in the fat cells in your body. So it's going to depend... From patient to patient, in terms of um, uh, how long you—it's kind of a, a process that I walk my patients yeah, through. So, kind of, kind of trying to to, to get, uh, cut it down to um, without giving you all of the background. I but totally it, get it.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: but it, but it varies from patient to patient. I'm wondering if so,
2: when someone burns their fat, can they get high from that? <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, you can. So if you wow. have, if you have uh, a, a lot of, um, uh, you're using, you know, lots and lots of, um, uh, THC yeah. and then you go out for a run or something, yeah, you are breaking down your fat cells and wild. those chemicals are, are getting released. Yeah. I love that.
2: I learned something new today. Um, so this is another question from Facebook. She says, when doing high dose for severe issues as I did for cancer and you quote unquote overdose, what is the best way to calm the system down? So you don't freak out like I did.
1: Um, you just lower your dose, (laughs) but in the, in the case where
2: she felt like she was in the midst of, of an overdose, what, what she's, I got you, I got
1: you. Um, you know, uh, really, you kind of have to just let the chemicals break down. So you kind of have to ride through it essentially. Um, and so, um, you you know, it lasts a couple hours, about six to eight hours. You know, you don't want to be driving. You don't want to be operating heavy machinery. Um, you want to stay well hydrated. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, right through it. I would what say I would tell from you. a, from a naturopathic perspective,
2: I would, I would maybe add to add in some, some specific liver support, like milk thistle or glutathione as an antioxidant. I mean, just given that antioxidant support, not like encouraging anyone to overdose anything, but just saying if you're in a pinch like that, and obviously lots and lots of water, it can't, but, but it's probably just gonna have to take its course, right? Yeah. And
1: that's actually an interesting thought because the marijuana does get processed in the liver. Um, yeah, so maybe, so So, yeah, uh, that would be interesting to see if uh, they ever come around to to doing research on that, how that impacts processing.
2: Another question. um, Are there any studies on the horizon for use with chronic pelvic pain, especially pundental neuralgia or endometriosis?
1: Um, so nerve related pain in general. Um, yeah, there's, there's tons of uh, research on it actually, um, both in animal models and in humans. And actually we do know how the marijuana impacts, um, pain. Um, so just to go into the basics of it, uh, one is that, so I mentioned the anti-inflammatory aspect of, of marijuana. That's one of the ways that it helps to reduce pain. Second is that it, it basically sort of, um, uh, dumbs down the signals that are going to the brain that, you know, Hey, this is causing me pain. And so you get fewer and fewer signals going to the to the brain. And then the second thing is, is that it impacts, um, the emotional processing of pain. Um, so there are parts of the brain that, that it impacts. So, so it's like the pain is
2: there, but you don't care sort of like, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You don't associate like a negative emotion with it that, oh, this is causing me suffering. You you don't associate that with it. So that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, tons of information on, on pain management, um, especially when it comes to nerve related pain.
2: Mm -hmm. Another question was how to use medical marijuana to help with symptoms of menopause.
1: So the main symptoms that it helps with are anxiety and insomnia. Um, th- those are the most common symptoms that um, uh, menopausal patients come to me with. Um, uh, and it, again, so in terms of combination of chemicals, it does vary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nuanced with insomnia. You know, it depends on if you have moderate, um, or, I'm sorry, if you have mild or severe insomnia. Um, I, 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 I walk patients through, through different usage of marijuana with that. Um, anxiety, typically what helps are high amounts of CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the patients who should not be using high amounts of THC because it will throw you, you know, if you use too much of the THC, it'll throw you into more anxiety and, and make you paranoid. Who, who should not be using medical marijuana? A couple groups. Um, so one is um, patients who are prone to having psychotic episodes. These are patients typically that have been diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, Because what can happen is that if you take way too much THC, you can start hallucinating. Um, And as you can imagine, these hallucinations can then, you know, throw these patients into having a psychotic episode. Hmm. A worst case scenario of which, you know, they start to have suicidal thoughts, they start to have homicidal thoughts. Um, That's one group of patients. Second group of patients are patients who have underlying heart conditions. Um, Mainly because, again, excessive amounts of marijuana can increase your heart rate. Um, So say you have uh, dysrhythmia, you know, irregular heartbeat that kind of pops up every once in a while. If you take something that increases your heart rate, you're more likely to be thrown into that dysrhythmia. Mm.
0: Um,
1: So that – and then a third group of patients are patients who have lung conditions – Obviously, you don't want to be either smoking um, or vaporizing or just inhaling marijuana in general because it, it can potentially exacerbate these lung conditions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then this is a little bit more controversial, but um, I err on the side of caution in my patients that are pregnant or breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, the jury's sort of out on how marijuana impacts um, a growing baby. Okay, mm-hmm. um, some. Some research has shown that when a woman is pregnant and she's using marijuana on a regular basis, you know, for for several weeks at a time, it can lead to preterm labor and delivery and low birth weight as well. So Mm -hmm. I tend to be more cautious in, in these patients. Actually, I don't actually recommend it all
2: hmm And what about for breastfeeding? Same, same thing.
1: Same thing, because I just don't know how, how it's, um, it, it is a fat soluble, um, mm-hmm. substance. So right. it, it is, it is being transferred through, through, um, the breast milk. Yep. Through what the about milk? the
2: use of CBD? I'm curious about that. If that's not the psychoactive part,
1: you know, even then, um, uh, we don't know much about, Tolerance uh, when it comes to um, uh, infants and toddlers. So um, again, I I err on the side of caution. When I don't, when I don't know, I err on the side of caution. Yeah, we don't want to be experimenting on pregnant women. So yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Next question:
2: um, Can she talk about the use of marijuana suppositories for menstrual cramps? I believe I heard something about marijuana tampons.
1: Oh, okay. So um, you know, I haven't found it to be. As helpful for um, the vaginal suppositories to be as helpful for menstrual cramps. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you have to take it internally, whether it's inhalation, edibles, tinctures. Um, because here's the thing: anatomically, the thing that's causing your cramps is your uterus. Um, uh, where the the if you're using a, a vaginal suppository, you're not getting.
2: Yeah, it's just in the vagina.
1: Yeah. It. So, <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you're you're gonna get enough um, uh, absorption and, um, you know, into the area of the of the uterus. So yeah. I've really found what's what's beneficial is internal use.
2: Okay. Another question. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what starting dosage is recommended for complex partial seizures? Is it wise to start low and increase dosage until a happy medium is found?
1: So that's a really specific question. Yeah. In general, we don't have enough information on dosing. And that's why I always say that dosing varies highly from patient to patient. Um, so I have patients typically start on a very, very small dose. I don't have a number to give you because that, again, varies from patient to patient. But general right. rule of thumb, start low, um, and then you can increase it. And then if you know, the patient is starting to have side effects, that's when you know you've taken too much of it. And then also... And you, need to, and you need to scale back.
2: And then also question on the efficacy for Parkinson's.
1: For Parkinson's, the main symptom that I've seen it help with are, are the resting tremors that mm-hmm. these patients have, you know, in their yeah. extremities, either their arms or their legs. Um, otherwise, I have not seen it help too much. Got it.
2: Um, Okay. So this one I'm curious on too. So about pesticides being used to grow marijuana. It says that there are currently no regulations on that in California. And one of the pesticides changes its chemical makeup when heated up or smoked, and it can be dangerous to smoke. So wondering on on your take on that.
1: Yeah. So fortunately, starting 2018, regulations will be going into place in California because This past November, um, during the election, we did pass marijuana for recreational use in California. Now here's Mm -hmm. the interesting thing, and I don't know why this happens, but it seems like states start to implement regulations once it's been legalized for recreational use. There is no um, involvement, it seems like, when it's legalized for medical use. I don't know why that's the case. Um, I th- do think it is ultimately to the, to the disservice. It's a disservice to the patient because, you know, um, yes, we, we do need regulations on things like pesticides and fungicides. We do need regulations on, um, pathogenic, uh, contaminants like bacteria and fungus because especially for those patients that are on immunosuppressant Uh, suppressants, like cancer patients for instance, they're at high risk of getting infected from this fungus and this bacteria. So, so I do agree with your, with your uh, follow-up. Uh, that, mm. that we don't have enough regulations in place, but I'm hopeful that starting 2018, um, we will have more of these uh, regulations in place. So it's really a work in progress. It is an industry in its infancy, uh, but by no means is, is that an excuse for the industry. So you know? if someone is just finding
2: organic, would that take care of that concern? or is there other? Not really, because
1: it's not, it's not like third party certified organic. It's just somebody telling you that it's organic. I mean, really you'd have to kind of ask more questions. Well, what do you mean that it's organic? Like how exactly are you growing it to, to, you know, to grow it organically and you're taking the person's word for it at this point in time. You know, another question was how
2: effective is the non-psychoactive use? Can you talk more about that?
1: Um, it's very effective. Mm -hmm. Um, marijuana, like like I said, for, for pain management, it acts as an anti-inflammatory. It acts as an antispasmodic. So it helps to relax muscles, um, for, for difficulty sleeping. It helps to, it makes you drowsy. It helps you to stay asleep through the night, uh, for anxiety. It, it, um, yeah. You know, it helps to, 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 to alleviate anxiety, helps to reduce panic attacks. So this is all, you know, within that therapeutic range. So within that therapeutic range, it's very, very effective. Why is marijuana illegal in so many places? Can you talk about that? So this is really interesting. It has to, a lot to do with the history um, in the United States. And it, you know, actually, here's the, the interesting thing. Marijuana uh, was available over the counter um, at pharmacies up until 1937, um, oh. As a medicine. Yeah. So what happened was that um, during the 1930s, as you know, we, we were go- going through the Great Depression, um, and we had a, a big migration of Mexicans into the United States, and they were doing a lot of field work. Now, what was going on politically is that you had this man named Harry Anslinger, who, who had a dislike towards, um, towards Mexicans. And then there's also a sentiment amongst uh, Americans that, hey, you know, these Mexicans are are taking our jobs. So basically, the way that all played out was that there was a tax, um, implemented on marijuana. And it was pretty exorbitant. Like, no one could afford it. Because in today's time, it was the equivalent of, of about, uh, ten to twenty thousand dollars. Wow. So, so essentially, if you didn't have that document that said that you paid a tax to use marijuana, it was essentially, you know, basically you were seen as using it illegally and you could get thrown in jail for it. And, and one of the reasons that this was done is that in, in, in the Mexican culture, um, it was, it was common to use marijuana recreationally, uh, and even, even medicinally as well. So, so that was sort of the, the sort of political landscape and the economical landscape at the time. Um, and, and then what happened was around the time of Nixon, they instituted the Control Substances Act. And that's when you had these, um, these classifications, you know, like class one, class two, class three. And that's how marijuana, um, ended up as a, as a class one substance. And we haven't been able to go back since then.
2: Interesting. Wow. And in some countries it's uber illegal, right? Like, like you will get, really punished if, if, yeah. Right. Or even have it. I think,
1: yeah, I I don't know. I don't know.
2: Um, I heard something crazy. I heard Philippines, if you even have it, that you can get shot. Like I just heard something like that. I don't know if that's true. I heard it yesterday.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some, some countries have some pretty, um, pretty crazy, (laughs) crazy laws in place. A lot of things. So
2: in a lot of places.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Curious on,
2: um, can you talk a little bit more about topical, um, topical? Like if someone's using, let's say a THC topical for pain or something, is it enough to where it would get into the system? Does it cause a high, would it cause like positive in their like a drug testing? I'm curious about how, and actually if you could talk about the testing process, that's, that'd be interesting too. Sure. Yeah.
1: So topicals typically, um, they work well for skin conditions, for, uh, for muscle related conditions and for bone related conditions, otherwise they don't tend to work work well for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really they're meant for like you know like small areas, uh, mm-hmm. not not larger areas. And the thing is is that you're not absorbing enough of it to to accumulate high concentrations of it into your bloodstream, so you're not going to get any sort of um, psychological uh, effect from it. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to drug testing. Um, that you know, that's a little bit more tricky because it depends on, you know, how much, how often you're using the topical, how much of it you're using, because it could accumulate enough where it could potentially show up um, uh, positive on, on a drug test. Mm-hmm. Um, drug testing, typically what they're testing for is a byproduct of THC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it, you know, it, drug testing is really interesting because uh, because marijuana gets stored in the fat cells in your body, um, it it can be you know it, it depends on how you how you process these chemicals, but um, it can show up um, even long after use. Um, say you used it you know maybe once and then you 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 don't use it for a while, there's still. Uh, possibility that it could show up positive on a drug test because you could have, you know, stored amounts of it into your, into the fat cells in your body. So that is something to be, to be aware of. Interesting
2: question about, um, can you talk about the terpene profiles and your, and the role in choosing the right strain?
1: Um, you know, the, the medical impact that I've seen, um, in marijuana and what I've seen in research, uh, I found really comes from the cannabinoids. Um, I haven't explored too much into the terpenes at this point. Okay. Um, I'm curious about using it for cancer. So there's been a discussion
2: on my Facebook about that of of one woman saying that she used something called RSO and she said that that helped to cure her cancer. And someone else said that there's no use of it for cancer. Um, can you talk about using it for cancer please?
1: Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, and RSO, by the way, stands for Rick Simpson Oil. And I'll tell you about Rick in a second. Okay. So, So what does the research say? Research done in test tubes, in Petri dishes, in animals, it does show that that marijuana has anti-cancer properties, okay? Mm-hmm. But we barely have information as to what it, impact it has in humans, um, what impact it has on cancer specifically. So, so as a physician, uh, I at this point would not say that it cures cancer. Um, and in fact, here's the thing. Here, here's the, the important point to keep in mind: that say you have a cancer that's very treatable with chemotherapy. But instead, you decide that no, I don't want to undergo chemotherapy. I just want to use marijuana uh, to cure my cancer. That's a really high risk to take because you're taking something that has more of a, uh, you know, you're kind of um, uh, dismissing something that has more of a short bet and instead using something that you know, that that's a giant question mark. We have Mm -hmm. no idea what, what does it work? Does it not work? You know, we don't know. So, so at this point, you know, I, I wouldn't say that now I've also treated patients uh, who have cancer. Mainly I treat them because they're having side effects from chemotherapy and whatnot. Um, But then I have had patients that are like, look, I want to use it to to treat my cancer. And I explain to them that you are taking a huge risk, but they do it anyway. Have I had anybody come back to me and say that marijuana cured my cancer? I haven't. Okay. Got it. You know, so, so, so weigh the risks and benefits very, very carefully. Um, because you are taking a huge risk by just, you know, and you, and the information that you get on the internet, you gotta sometimes take it with a grain of salt, um, because you don't know the full story right? as, as, you know, behind, um, as something that someone's saying. And then Rick Simpson, So that's where this, this whole thing started that marijuana cures cancer. I think he was this Canadian guy who claimed that marijuana cures cancer and then he came up with this product. It's a highly concentrated form of marijuana and he said, this is what I use to cure my cancer. Um, so obviously there was, (laughs) you know, there was a motive to sell a product there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think since then the, the Canadian government has, you know, shut him down. Um, but his, you know, quote unquote legacy still, still, still lives <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Well, Hey, you know, if you're taking anything and you have that power of belief that does increase the efficacy of whatever you're taking. So just putting in that, that in the mix as well. I'm curious. This is another question I had from someone on, on, um, actually my boyfriend asked me this. Um, he was curious. He's heard, why do people dream less when they're on marijuana? Do, do the dreams pick up when the, when they slow down or stop? Have you heard of that connection with it and, and dreaming?
1: Yeah. So, so research has shown that um, THC um, shortens your REM sleep. And that's the, the period of time where, where you're dreaming. Um, and so that may be one of the causes as to why um, people don't dream hmm. when they're using marijuana.
2: Interesting. And is there any negative effect to that as REM sleep can have some actually health benefits? So I'm curious if that would be negative.
1: Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't found that to be the case. Now, the interesting thing is, is that, um, I don't think it's the case with high amounts or not with high amounts, but just, you know, therapeutic levels of CBD, uh, Mm -hmm. where it does impact, um, dreaming. Um, so, so I'm not certain. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's talk more about and this is probably my, my
2: last area unless there's something else that I'm forgetting, a big area that you would love to talk about, but regarding CBD, so using CBD oil, I'd love to know what you're using that for and just anything more about that you'd like to say.
1: Okay, so CBD oil is sort of this like nebulous term. Um, essentially, basically, uh, like I mentioned, um, you have a lot of different products that have high amounts of CBD in it. You know, it, it could be uh, edibles. It could be tinctures. It could be um, even um, uh, uh, concentrates. So the the term oil, um, it, like I said, it, it's a it's a nebulous term. Um, but something specifically that's that's sold as an oil.
2: So that's what I'm. What this person is asking about, like using yeah. a topic, we're using it internally as just straight CBD oil.
1: Okay, so basically I I'm taking CBD oil to be just basically a, um, uh, it's you either a solvent or an actual oil that has high amounts of, of CBD extracted into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does have application um, um, it depends on the on the medical condition right so um, let, let me give you an example like per, a person who has multiple sclerosis um, it, it, it could potentially benefit them because CBD acts as um, an antispasmodic it helps to relax your muscles mm-hmm. so that that would be an example of an application where I would have a, a person use um, high amounts of CBD. I never... Recommend CBD oil specifically, mm-hmm. um, um, because CBD high. You can find high CBD, like I said, in a wide variety of formulations, not just CBD oil. And it's not like CBD oil is is better or worse than these other products. Uh, ultimately, what it comes down to is you know what's what's the amount of the CBD and whatever it is that you're using.
2: So, so I'm hearing you correctly. You don't ever recommend that someone just take CBD oil. You actually do it with the ratio of CBD and THC just depending on the person? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So Okay. okay, So whenever you go to a dispensary um, and you buy a product that's high in CBD, it's likely that it will have some amount of THC in it. It may be a very small amount, Mm -hmm. um, but it will have some amount of THC in it. Now, this CBD oil, where it's just CBD and no THC, that's likely derived from hemp because the amounts of of the THC are just so little. Um, that you can have high enough, enough of, um, an amount of, of CBD where the THC becomes negligible. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so basically, okay, so it's going to depend on the condition and, and, it, uh, it ultimately comes down to the, the amounts of the, of the CBD relative to the THC and it's, and, in some conditions, you do need um, uh, some amount of THC to be beneficial. In some conditions, uh, you don't have to have the, that, that THC for it to be medically beneficial. Does that sort of answer that question? I know it was kind of yeah, yeah, all over so. the place. Yeah.
2: <laughs> totally. Well, I think that's the main thing that I was... I mean, I, I threw most of my questions at you. I'm curious if there's any other common questions you get or anything else you wanted to share with the audience before we let you go. And, yeah. Um, you know,
1: I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Lot of material here. Um, uh, so I, I think I'm going to leave it uh, where we're at just, okay. just Perfect. to not overwhelm the audience. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, I'm but... sure I'll get
2: a lot of follow-up questions and then we can do a part two at some point in the future. Cause I know it'll be a really popular show. So yeah, um, sure. So, so yeah, I just want to thank you doc for being so generous with your time and just being such a contribution to people and helping so many people with what you use with your toolbox. I, I just appreciate, you know, what you do in the world. And, um, thank you for being generous with your time and coming on the show. And so for people who want to follow up with you, how can they keep up with, with you?
1: Sure. So a couple ways I have a YouTube channel. Um, where I answer a lot of commonly asked questions and I encourage viewers to, to leave their questions in the comments section. Um, and I, that, you know, that's what I use to, to come up with material for, for the new videos, uh, that I do, you know, in terms of answering questions. Then I also answer questions on my Facebook page. Um, I do Facebook lives, uh, once every one to two weeks. I answer questions there as well. Um, and I haven't asked me anything Wednesdays where you can leave your questions in the comment section. And again, I, I use the questions in there to then um, uh, uh, come up with material for Facebook live videos. Cool. So those are two ways. And then I always have information on my website as well.
2: Yeah. And then you practice in Northern California, right? So you actually yep. see patients in the Bay area. Doctors. Cool. Yeah. All right. We'll leave all your info in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, doc. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks. All right, my loves, that is the show. Thank you so much for listening and for having an open mind. I hope you got some value out of that. I know that I thought it was very, very interesting and share with anyone who you think this would help. And if you are loving the show, I would love if you could leave us a review over on iTunes. I've been getting a lot more reviews lately. So thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of your day or evening and we'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.